the free for all roundtable round two on round two let's say good morning to richard kraus host of the podcast last call with richard kraus and richard i have to imagine your report for w5 about foley sound is available to stream somewhere it is. You can find it on uh, the ctvnews.ca website, and you can also find it on YouTube on the W5 page. Or you can check richardkraus.ca and find out more information there. All right. And you can read Robert Benzie in paper and digital version. He's the Queen's Park Bureau Chief for the <laughs> Toronto Star. And Sunira Chaudhary, uh, I wasn't naming names, but you were at lunch yesterday and uh, employment lawyer at Workley Law. That was a fascinating conversation. Gave me a lot of insight into the, into the municipal election. Yeah, John. And yeah, go ahead. It, it, it was it was super great to have a chat about some of the candidates coming up and some of the issues in the city. Okay, so and actually, Robert Benzie, you were there too. But those are the only two I'm going to name because I think it was kind of a backgrounder. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, Rogers making a deal to bring cellular service to the TTC. And uh, Robert Benzie, I'll start with you on this one. This changes uh, the chemistry considerably. A lot of people who are not part of Freedom Wind have had no access to cell phone service in the subway. And that's been for 10 years. Yeah, and this is a story with the star has been chasing for some time. Uh, and that's why Rogers uh, pressed the panic button, did this and released it last night at 10 o'clock. I think they were hoping to announce it Wednesday uh, when Tony Staffieri speaks to the Canadian club. Uh, he's the president of that company. Now, this is this is potentially good news for uh, for TTC riders. However, John, uh, the, the, the cake may be half baked because remember, this is only for Rogers customers. So the Bell and Telus uh, customers who are, you know, right now, it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a boondoggle because you have to have freedom to use uh, to use uh, freedom mobile to use the uh, the Wi-Fi on the subway or the, and the cell service. This under this plan, it would be Rogers, but that doesn't that means Bell and Telus is frozen out. And and the weird thing about this is that Rogers has acted unilaterally because on the Ontario line, which is the new subway line that's being built, there's a consortium of Bell, Telus, and Rogers that is working together to make sure that all of the uh, that all cell users can use cell service on the subway so this is on that new subway line so this is uh, a bad look for the ttc they signed a really poor deal a decade ago uh it hasn't ever worked why they signed with an australian company is beyond me i never understood the 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 machinations behind it so i think there's a lot of things that are going to be unfolding in the days and weeks to come about this contract and about uh whether bell and telus users will be able to access this service when it's finally available richard Krause, i'm excited about the future should they include bell in this deal um, where i can surf the web and answer emails while i'm on the subway not terribly looking forward to all the conversations i'm going to overhear that's the thing right and so i'm happy from a safety point of view that we're going to be able to uh phone 911 uh you know reach out if something is happening on the subway and you're in a tunnel or something you can uh, call 911 and say we're coming into rosedale subway you know please help us when we get there so i'm i'm pleased about that uh but it's going to be uh noisy i don't know are we going to end up having to have like silent cars on the the ttc like they have on go transit because it's going to be a mishmash of very loud conversations because people, for some reason, when they're in an enclosed space like that, whether it's on the subway or on an elevator or whatever it might be, tend to talk about three times as loud into their phones as they would if they were talking to a normal person standing next to them. So it's going to be cacophonous, but I do think in 
light of all the safety uh, issues that we've had uh, over the last you know number of months, uh, that this is uh, a positive thing. And we'll get Rogers. I mean, I know why they were trying to you know make this big announcement because they can come out and look like heroes, even though they've been working on this uh, for quite some time. Yeah, and if they really want to be annoying, incidentally, people who are on a cell phone, not only do they speak loudly, but they FaceTime it or put the phone on yeah, speaker. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sunira, it's interesting to hear Robert say that it's a half-baked cake. It's also interesting to note it's going to be two years before the this all changes. Yeah, I, this is actually a disappointing story to me, John. I think it's like a, a privatization failure. We we talk a lot about how we should be outsourcing a lot of these contracts to the private sector because the public sector can't figure things out. Well, you know, this contract was um, awarded back in 2012. Only Freedom Mobile signed up. I mean, why did Bell, why did Rogers not sign up and get it working? And so it sat and flagellated for the last 11 years. And now Rogers is taking it over saying it needs extensive upgrades of course it does it's 11 years old but why did these you know why did this not get working or this get solved back in 2014 or 2015 the fact that we have to wait another two years and for rogers to overhaul it over a decade later i think is a huge failure more than half of canadians admit they're not saving enough for retirement and actually let me start with you on this one richard because have you ever worked for any in any arrangement where you would have got a pension no no, I have not. I've been uh, a freelancer or um, have worked in jobs that didn't have any kind of pension uh, involved with them. Uh, but I did have a father uh, who wrote down every dime that he ever spent from the time he was, you know, old enough to be spending money right through to the end of his life. He kept very, very careful records of all his money. And he didn't exactly pass down that trait to me uh, in that sense, but he made me very aware early on uh, that uh, there was going to be no one to look after me except myself. So save money, put money aside where you can. And mostly I have done that. Um, and and I feel you know fairly comfortable now. But it is something that I talk to people all the time. Uh, there's a, a, a cohort of people out there who uh, don't really plan for the future that much. They're living kind of in the moment. They don't want to make wills because it reminds them of their mortality. They uh, you know think about uh, the here and now and maybe not what's going to happen in a few years and it's tough i know and you have to make sacrifices to put money aside when you'd rather take a vacation or whatever but uh this is important stuff and it is kind of a shockingly high number here uh, but i don't think i'm terribly surprised by how high the number is Sunira, it's funny richard mentioned uh, his father but we learn a lot of our financial behavior from our parents and my parents always told me save half of every single paycheck yeah, I have a very similar story to Richard. I found a journal of my mom's um, a, a while ago where she did the same thing. She wrote down every single thing uh, that the family purchased. I, you know, I saw Blockbuster on a Friday night. You know, five dollars mm -hmm. uh, when I was a kid, and and it definitely taught me. And she reminds me now all the time that you've got to, you know, you've got to watch the little things to take care of the big things. And you know, if we look at our grocery bills now, I I, I know I did my groceries yesterday, and a block of cheese was six dollars six dollars and eighty eight cents. You know, it's it it's definitely more than it was when just a couple of years ago. But uh, I I think to Richard's point as well it's not just that we're 
um, in a, a sort of a transactional world where we're not saving for the future. I think pe- people feel a bit hopeless about it because there's just that much less, you know, behind every month to save for, especially also like with these hot real estate prices and people feel like they can't buy the homes that their parents did. So I think there's a confluence of things happening here. Okay, listen, I want to jump to another topic because we've got a full menu here. And Robert, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, it's all about how um, seniors' homes and long-term care homes facing forced upgrades, many of them are opting, nah, we'll close down, sell the property, make our millions and walk away. Yeah, this is uh, some good work by our colleagues at the Globe and Mail that have done a, an analysis of, 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 of homes that are for sale and the crunch uh, for beds. And I think what it, it's kind of a confluence of aging population, a real estate market, and uh, you know a, 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 a business opportunity for the, for these for-profit operators. So it's just a it's a it's a kind of a perfect storm, and it comes of course at a time when people are living longer, and uh, and it also comes as a political challenge to Premier Doug Ford's government that has made uh, investing in long-term care homes. There, there's an announcement actually at 10 o'clock today in Kitchener, uh, Paul Calandra is making about m- more investments in these homes, and I think it 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 shows that. In the short term, there are going to be the challenges for the government to deliver on all the tens of thousands of new beds they promised and are needed. So, yeah, I mean, good for good for the globe to to do this. It's uh, I don't know. There's no easy answer though, John, and not not in a real estate market like we have in Toronto. So, Sunira, drawing on our previous discussion, my fear is that the future of long-term care homes is going to be on the top end. People who saved their money and have resources are going to live like they're on a cruise ship, and then everything else is going to end up being a government bed. Well, I, I I totally see that divide happening, John. But, you know, I've got to ask where, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before. If we don't have people, as an example, going back to work full time, we certainly have government um, buildings available that are not at full capacity. And if the issue is real estate, well, there's a lot of government real estate that's not being used to its fullest extent. Maybe it's modernizing some of those buildings to help address the gap here. Because if you have private folks that are just going to sell their property and get out of the business, well, I absolutely, this is going to become a bigger government issue as years go on. So potentially the, the the, the answer here is modernizing some of these government buildings, especially with hybrid you know, working arrangements, and you find good operators. Uh, Canadians apparently hate winter. Uh, Richard, do you put any, <laughs> do you put any stock Breaking in news. That? Yeah, no. Well, no, I know. I always get, whenever I say I can't wait for the end of winter, I'm like, how dare you? This is Canada. I only have about three weeks of the year that I enjoy the weather in, and that is uh, leading out of uh, August into September when it starts to cool down a little bit. That's it for me. That is my sweet spot. I don't mind April. May's okay. Uh, Beyond that, it's too hot in the summer. It's too cold in the winter. Count me in on both counts there. All right. But the time frame (laughs) you just mentioned, uh, Robert Benzi, is also the time where you inevitably end up with a wasp in your beer. It, there is that. You know, John, I was born in Australia and I'm half Jamaican. So believe me, I love the end of winter. And <laughs> the fact that it's going to be 27 degrees on Thursday made me so happy. I'm going to be whipping out the seersucker. So Richard and I can wear our seersucker suits. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Senora, your thoughts on the seasons? 
I, you know, I loved winter as a kid, but I loved it a couple of years ago, John, when I found myself a winter activity. I skied every weekend. I skied with some friends uh, up in Caledon on Saturday. I had something to do outdoors, and I really sort of fell in love with the winter again because I had something to do. Now I find myself just holed up. So I'm in the, the vast majority where I'm just sort of done with winter, especially especially as we're getting into April, and I still am like bracing myself for a cold breeze as I walk to work. All right. And Richard, it's hard to be a boulevardier in winter anyway. It sure is. There's not a lot of stylish parkas out there. <laughs> Thank you all. And we thought for a moment that the Pope had one. Uh, but my thanks to you for being part of that. Sanira Chaudhry, Robert Benzi, and Richard Krause. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.